Welcome to Turning Laps with Mr. Smiley. This Lap 5 special features a staple of the Thundercar class at Edmonton International Raceway. The Don, Mr. Don Lawrence, driver of the 08 Thundercar. The green flag is waving. Turning Laps with Mr. Smiley starts right now. Welcome back, everybody, to lap five of Turning Laps with Mr. Smiley. Thank you all once again for making Turning Laps with Mr. Smiley a huge success. Now, on with the show. I have been a fan of this gentleman since I saw my first race at Edmonton International Raceway seven years ago. I also had the pleasure to race against him in my rookie year of racing at Edmonton International Raceway in the Thundercard class. He's always there to mentor new drivers. All you have to do is just ask him. He's been a staple of the Thundercar class since I've been out there. This is the Don, Mr. Don Lawrence. Thank you for joining me this afternoon, Don. Thank you for your time. I've been out at the racetrack for seven years now, and I've always enjoyed the racing. You put on a really good show. In my mind, you've always been a staple in the Thundercar class, but you were just telling me that... There's a good friend of yours that is, <laughs> could we say, classify Don Roberts as your biggest on-track rival? Well, uh, there's actually him and also uh, Josh Gitzel. He, he's there. He's there. What can you say? Um, when they both show up, it's a tough night for all three of us because you don't know who's going to come out on top. So, And there's some rising stars too. Andrew there, he's doing really good. Mm -hmm. I think he just needs some more seat time. I, I think a lot of people forget just how much seat time I have. And uh, that kind of, you know, it's tough to compete when you've only been in a year or two and I show up and been at it a long time. So <laughs> I know that from firsthand experience. Yeah, sure. <laughs> <laughs> how many guys have you actually, sorry, how many guys and girls have you actually mentored at the racetrack? I mean, you've been out there for how many years now? Mm, well, uh, with this car, we've been on tw we're 20 years 20 seasons with this car of course we missed Whoa. we missed a covid season there um yeah but yeah we've been we built the car around 2004 so 23 will be the 20th season and um so interesting point in some of the early seasons we put a lot of laps on and i figure the car has close to 20,000 laps on it in 20 seasons we put about average a thousand laps a season some of those nights uh the first championship season was um, a 17 nights to make a championship. Ooh. So that was a, that was a full commitment. So nothing much you can say about that. So yeah, so the old car, she's been around a long time and so have I. So <laughs> <laughs> what were you driving prior to the, what, this is a Mercury Cougar, is it? Yeah, it is. And it's okay. complete, you know, departure from my norm. I'm definitely a GM guy. And there are some people I was involved with brought this thing along and 
I thought I could add a lot to it. So I took over the project and I don't know if you're aware of this, but it, the, it was a joke at first. Uh, they called me, called the car the penalty box because there was guys like Fred's heads and that that were quick. And I was, I remember the first 200 lapper we run, we were two seconds off the pace. So every 30 laps away, they go by me. So uh, we've certainly made some strides since back then. So oh. <laughs> <laughs> and you talk about uh, rivals, uh, you, you can't get away without commenting years ago, Art Islander and myself, yes, great friends I in remember. the pits and uh, him and I had some battle royals. It was, it was a lot of fun. I remember one night, it was one of the Shell sponsored nights there when we had the Make-A-Wish uh, kid out and Art and I went at it and I turned him sideways twice and still couldn't get around him. And they let us race. They didn't, uh, they didn't throw the black flag on me, but uh, the track marshal come on the radio and said, that's it. You've had your, <laughs> so Art and I had some great nights. Um, I remember nights where I'd run low and he had run that dirt track line around the top and it was just epic to watch. So, yeah. I don't and, you know, know how you guys it. can hold that car on that, <laughs> on the top line. Like, yeah, it's not as easy you said, dirt nights. track style, right in the cushion, right? Mm -hmm. Well, after the drift cars are there, it's uh, really, it's really good to, uh, they put a little rubber down up top, you know, I can run a little higher. Okay. So right now, uh, you know, the typical night, we can only run one and a half grooves up. So um, you're, <laughs> it's really dicey to get around people. So <laughs> I guess uh, Lee Warner was the other one too. Him and I uh, a, had used to have some great runs. And I remember, um, I think it was 2010 when I won first championship there. He and there was a fellow by the name of Matt. The three of us went one, two, three for the season, and we sat together at banquet. That was uh, that's the way racing should be. So, friends off the track, put the helmet on. I don't know who you are. So, <laughs> <laughs> it's funny. I was talking with Mercedes Patterson also uh, with her podcast, and she said the same thing. I'm friends with everybody, but you get it in behind behind the wheel and put that helmet on that's it it's like we're rivals uh, yeah. mike sawyers oh, and sure. other ones says the exact same thing mm -hmm. well back to your question um of how many people i've mentored i don't know that but like the current um mentor goes out to laurel shalafu and she's just a wonderful young lady to work with she's just a hundred percent uh all up for anything i'm going to teach her and mm -hmm. um she listens really well to everything i say and it's just such a pleasure to work with her and the one before that, of course, is Josh Gitzel. I knew his dad from before. We raced oh. together back in the mid-2000s, and uh, the young fellow showed up, and they were very friendly folks, and I asked if he'd like a little help, and he don't need my help anymore. <laughs> <laughs> no, no, I He's made a comment. Sorted out. Yeah, I made a comment on one of the Thundercar races where he was in, and he actually, I, I said he channeled his inner Don Lawrence because he just went four wide on the outside, mm -hmm. and he actually held the line and came across turn four just in the nick of time just to miss that wall and take the lead. It's like <laughs> the most amazing move that I've seen so far this year besides uh, Andrew and um, uh, uh, I can't remember now, but the other guy that drives the Mustang, not Josh. Uh, James Clark, they they did the uh, monster truck move <laughs> this year also. So that was pretty interesting. Um, yeah. Where all have you raced? How many tracks have you actually raced at? You've had a storied oh, career. 
Well, um, if you want to know the full truth, my first race ever was 12 years old in a soapbox derby car. <laughs> and uh, we managed to eke out a fourth place there and they got a nice little trophy and um, had an older brother that took me to all the racetracks. And um, then in the late 70s, we were into, we had a drag car. We also had a sprint car. And uh, I actually have a gold cup that we won in, you know, I'm not sure, 81 or two. It's hard to, all the years kind of run together. So <laughs> uh, he wouldn't let me drive the car. So in 83, a uh, buddy of mine, built a stock car and invited me out and I drove it in the Pittman race because they actually did that back then and I uh, come home with some hardware again. So it didn't take long. We were all hooked and um, Terry Carter and I, we started building cars and we raced locally. We went to Calgary. Um, as much as I love our little bull ring, that track in Calgary was just the best. It was like 80 feet wide and you could you could make you could make moves. There was three grooves you could run there if you needed to. So, Ooh. so it was just wild. It was great, and okay. you know we run a fifteen second lap, give or take. Down there we run a twenty one second or twenty and a half second on a on a half mile. So do the math on that. That's there's some a lot of speed there with a stock car, and we used street tires back then. That was the that was the deal down there to try and keep the costs down. So. Um, yeah, raced at Kalmar. Um, not sure where else to tell you that I really raced. Uh, I guess to add to that, I've raced cars, I've raced dirt bikes, I've raced snowmobiles, I've raced stock cars, modifieds, and light models, and I've raced dirt and pavement. So, and I guess to add to that, when I was really injured, I raced wheelchairs for an afternoon in the hospital. <laughs> <laughs> I didn't fare very well. I was pretty banged up in one lap. I was done. So... <laughs> I, I've seen Days of Thunder, the Tom Cruise and his rival, that going down the uh, the hall of the hospital with the with the two wheelchairs having the wheelchair race. <laughs> Pretty much, yeah. <laughs> and funny. although I've never raced on some big tracks, you know, I've been pretty fortunate to have tour all over the U.S. I've been to a lot of tracks that people wouldn't like char go to, like Charlotte or Pocono, and um, you know some all the usual ones, Vegas and Phoenix. And um, mm -hmm. it's kind of funny. You talk about small world. I was walking across the street in Charlotte uh, about 10 o'clock at night after the race. And somebody hollers my name from across the street. And I just wonder how many Donnie Lawrence's there are in the world. And I turned around and who is it, but art Islander. <laughs> so <laughs> Down in Charlotte. Small, small world, yeah. Well, they did the same thing there out touring the race car shops and out for a bit of a holiday. So it was really cool. What's been the most challenging race that you ever ran? Hmm. I don't know about challenging. Um, the dirt late model thing was a lot of work and very difficult. But if I come back to EIR, which is home base for me and always will be, and I will finish my career racing there, I assume. If, um, but I remember once, uh, there's kind of a bit of a story to it. My dad had had a heart attack, and we didn't think he'd survive. And then he got better, and um, he was my biggest fan. He'd come to the track all the time with me. So uh, my family came out to the track with dad, and they had to, Todd Knowles and I want to say Roy Wallace carried him up the bleachers so he could watch the race. And... Um, there was 16 cars in our Thunder Car 100 lapper, and um, 
I started 15th and two laps in broke a right front wheel. So caution come out, I wheel into the pits, uh, boys put on a fresh wheel and tire and I thought we were done for, I really did. And then we started to go. And so 98 laps to go, uh, 16 cars strung right out and I worked my way up to second place. And um, that was probably one of the coolest races I'd ever been in. Uh, I didn't win and um, didn't matter. I'd, it was pretty, pretty neat to come from that deep in the field on that track, it's tough. It's really tough. It absolutely is. It's fun. Um, <laughs> very fun. Very fun. Uh, let's go to the flip side. Which sure. track have you found the most physically demanding on your body? Oh, for sure. Out at the dirt at, uh, I think they call it rad torque now in the dirt yep. lane model. That is really uh, hats off to those guys. They're um, those cars. They bounce around and it pounds you. Uh, I felt like I had a concussion every time I drove the car. I really did. Ooh. So yeah, body was banged up and head hurt and uh, just wasn't having a lot of fun. So that um, <laughs> it was time to put the for sale sign on it and the car was gone. So <laughs> I got to be honest with you, comes to dirt and pavement. Um, I'm, it'd have to be a miracle for me to go back to dirt. Um, I like the pavement. Uh, there's some repeatability to it. There's, I don't know, you, <laughs> you're, you don't have dirt in your ears and up your nose at the end of the night. And you don't have to go home and spend 15 hours wrenching on the car. You know, when things go well for us, we do all our maintenance at the beginning of the season and uh, put the car in the trailer. And a lot of times we don't unload between nights. So, and um, we stay good and fast uh, as we are. And if we have trouble, she's out of the trailer and uh, we do some work on it. As you saw the last two nights there, I had, engine trouble and which is very yeah. unusual for us uh, we've got a good program we work really hard at mm -hmm. um, making that happen and um, I guess one of the things I really need to touch on is my crew I've got a I've got one of the best crews you could ever imagine at this level mm -hmm. I got four fellows that um, work very hard and we've got to the point where um, I, I would brag that I didn't have to do anything but drive the car <laughs> so when the chips are down uh, and we've had trouble I've been told to sit in my chair, to be quiet. Your job is to drive the car. We'll be ready. You drive the car. And you'd be surprised how well that works. Well, you can see um, we have good results. So um, it works for us. So those uh, hats off to those four guys. They work really hard to make sure we've got the best possible product every night. So. Yeah, yeah. And one of your crew members, Mitch, was instrumental in giving me my nickname. Oh, really? <laughs> yeah, because um, the very, I think my second race, and I was always coming in last because I was just a rookie racing. Mm -hmm. And he came up to me, and when I got out of the car, he says, shook my hand, says, I've never seen anybody like you. You have always come into the, into the pits with a smile. It didn't matter if somebody <laughs> spun you or hit you. You were always with a smile on your face. So he was one of the people instrumental in Mr. Smiley being created. That's cool. That's very cool. It's a good nickname. And it's true, too. When I think about it, it's very fitting. So <laughs> uh, just a point of note, Mitch and I have been friends since uh, high school. Really? Yeah, we changed both changed schools in grade ten, and uh, uh, met him. And um, he's a Ford guy, so I didn't have to. 
like him too much, you know, but uh, we both uh, together, him and I built two trucks uh, when we were 16 or maybe 17. We built a 67 Mercury and a 71 Chevy. And it's funny, we just, we just finished his. We built him another 67 Merc here, just finished it. He drove it last summer and my 67 that I'm working on, we should be out with this summer with it. So it's kind of cool to wrench Ooh. with the same guy for about 40 plus 45 years or whatever it is. So it's really cool. Very Excellent. cool. Yeah. Long-term friends say. are great. I, absolutely. Absolutely. Yeah. What do you, what, what would you say to the young kids that starting out in racing at Edmonton international raceway and actually, you know, they don't realize that even at this grassroots level, if they put in the commitment, they can actually make something. What do you absolutely. say to them? Well, you know, I couldn't agree with what you've said more. I think it's really important to concentrate on one aspect of racing at a time. You need to learn to drive. You need to have somebody help you with the car when you're young. It's a really daunting task to take a car, make a race car out of it and go out and you don't know whether it's the driver or the car that's not working. So that's what we're doing with 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 Miss um, Shalafu there is we're, we, we work on her driving every night and we'll work on the car when we need to, but she's got a ways to go. So I think everybody can do that is be self-reflective. When Terry and I started uh, racing down at Calgary in that uh, enduro class, we would each run half the race in the car. And then we would, after the race was over, we'd discuss it and we'd learn from our mistakes and learn what worked and what didn't. And mm -hmm. we were able to uh, make ourselves better quickly. So. The other thing to do is, you know, I know I'm big and a lot of people think I'm big and scary, but I'm not. Come talk to me. You'd be surprised. I'll help anybody that wants to treat me decently. And I truly mean that. I'd help every one of the guys in our class if they wanted help. It'd be uh, really cool to see a bunch of really fast cars all at the same pace. So, yes. Yeah. The other big thing uh, I've seen is don't move up before you're ready to. So... You know, if you, um, I can think of a few people that raced various classes, moved up and then they're in late model, maybe in their second year or third year. And unless they come from a family that has deep pockets and lots of racing experience, that might not go so well. So there's no replacement for experience seat time. That's the best part about our track is, um, you know, I remember you think about going out to the dirt track with that late model. Uh, you'd get about 28 to 30 laps, tw 28 racing laps a night. So you think how many laps I get in the car if I practice, you can get 7,500 laps, uh, mm -hmm. 150 on a night with a 100 lapper. So um, seat time's everything. Time behind the wheel. Get really smooth. Take a race school. Go and pester one of the old guys that's, that's good. And get, <laughs> man, that whole... Listen to Ron's race school. You, you listen to him when he walks down the front straightaway. One of the biggest things he says, the last thing you want to do is turn the wheel. And people look at you like you're crazy when you say that. But that is a fact. The last thing you want to do is turn that wheel because the moment you do, you're losing speed. So you want to keep the car as straight as possible and turn it as little as possible. And that retains your speed. Now, you touched on you may, you're going to retire at Edmonton International Raceway. Sure. How many I more years are you planning on racing well uh there's probably two things there is um as long as i'm competitive 
I will probably stick with it for a long time yet. Mm-hmm. And if I quit having fun, I will stop. So that's what I've stopped racing before and always come back to it, but it was, we made a change or whatever. When it's not fun, I'm done. And I would have probably left a long time ago, but uh, uh, Mitch come about 10 years ago and he started coming out every night and then the crew grew and that's half the fun. Like it's, we go out there and sit around the toolbox and laugh and I'm usually the butt of the jokes and uh, it's quite entertaining to be honest with you. So when that stops um, or when I'm not competitive, I guess, then I'll just maybe, um, you know, just continue with some mentorship and that kind of stuff. There's going to come a time when I have to, of course. So hopefully it's not for a while yet. I still like, um, it's interesting. I remember one of the track announcers here a while ago referred to me as a wily old veteran. And I'm thinking, who the hell are they talking about? I'm still a young gun. Well, then I are really thinking about it and I'm not, I'm this old vet that I'm sure um, I give a few few of the kids nightmares when they see me show up. So, <laughs> <laughs> are you gonna uh, move up into a late model? No, no, no. no. You're happy my days, with them my days of that are done. Um, we've I put more hours into racing than I care, and I've got a family and that kind of stuff. I quite enjoy doing other things too. And, um, no, I, I, we're, we're good. Um, I don't know. Uh, and the, you get a late model, the next thing you know, you're traveling, you're going to Saskatoon, you're going to go down and run the Montana 200 and all that kind of stuff. And I have no interest in traveling. You (laughs) drive (laughs) 10 hours and you're tired and, and, oh, I don't know. It just isn't for me anymore. The hour and 15 minutes to, our track is good enough and you know, I don't get home at four in the morning or the next day or the day after that even. So um, I know there's some great, um, uh, what do you want to call it? Invitationals like Penticton's got a, they're going to have a big invitational this year. That track's undergone a huge um, revamp. It's kind of really nice now. And I think height is the other one. They've always asked me to come up and I just, I really don't care to, you know, it'd be fun to go for the weekend, sure. But, you know, you drive six, seven hours or from Penticton, it's 12 or more with the truck and trailer and get home at whatever time and get up and go to work the next morning. I'm just not up for that anymore. So it's just, uh, we're really happy doing what we're doing. We have a lot of fun. We have good fan base. We, um, reasonably well-respected, I think. And it's a lot of fun racing the bull ring. That's the other thing is, uh, you go to a big track, speeds come up. Um, you know, if you do have a big accident, uh, it's going to hurt a lot more than mm-hmm. that's, that's the best part about EIR as much as I wished it was a couple hundred feet longer uh, on the straightaways there. Uh, it'd be nice if it was about uh, three eights, but you know, the speed stayed down. Like I think our top speed is 72 miles an hour and in a car that's built for 130 mile an hour crash and a Hans device and, well belted in, I think, you know, it might hurt, but you're not going to be mortally wounded, I hope. So um, I think that's a, I think that's a really good thing about the track. So it's one of the best reasons to stay there and not go elsewhere. On that note, I have to, I have to, you know, hats off to Ron and Loretta for 
what they've uh, put together there. That's one of the greatest little tracks that I've ever been to. And I, like I said, I've had the privilege of been being around the country and been a lot of little tracks and stuff. And you go to these tracks and I remember sitting in the stands at one and I remember thinking, oh my God, their safety is deplorable. If somebody gets hurt here, there was no ambulance there. They had a vehicle that they called an ambulance that would have been a no-go. And, you know, so anyway, hats off to Ron and Loretta. Like the, our track is top-notch. It's safe. Um, you know, I don't think we've really seen any serious injuries in a very long time. So correct me if I'm wrong there, but I think that's uh, no, top-shelf part of it. No, I'm thinking uh, we haven't seen too many no, there was uh, last year. Sky hit the wall pretty hard uh, mm-hmm. the day day before the Pinty series showed up. Um, she yeah, she was unresponsive for a little bit, but they were right there. Um, yeah. I mean, Bruce Force won. He was right there. They got the ambulance <laughs> there. They took her to the hospital. You know, they checked her all out. And yeah, I think that she would have one of the most serious ones. I think Bailey Dewalt. She had another one too, early. Mm-hmm. Uh, late in the season, I think the second last race of the year, those were the two latest serious ones that I could remember from recent memory. I, I was just trying to think as I sit here, and I'm certainly could be corrected, but I don't remember the last time somebody from a Thunder car left uh, in an ambulance. I don't remember it at all. So just, neither do I. Neither not do in I. Kind of 15, 20 years. So. Um, yeah, that's a that's the best part. It really is. It's a great place to race. It really is. It's very family friendly. Um, what do you say? You know, is that you've raced a, basically everything that has an engine? Is there something you want to actually get behind the wheel of and drive and race, or you know, maybe boat racing? No, I've gone really fast in boats. Uh, I've gone <laughs> ninety or hundred miles an hour, and it's pretty unnerving for me um and when you do have an accident or roll roll cage doesn't do you a bit of good um so boat would be totally out um anything like i raced uh, motorcycles for years and got really hurt on a bike and um i just have no interest in that so like um there are probably like i'd love to crawl in a late model and turn some laps at uh, eir or a super truck um but there again i'm not really willing to you know, make the change and travel like the trucks they have to travel. And yeah. um, I don't know. No, I, I'm pretty content. Uh, that ship has sailed, I guess. Uh, you know, like I said, I'm not 29 anymore and like to think I am. And still, some <laughs> nights I still drive like I am, but. Uh, <laughs> sponsorships. Have you mm-hmm. had difficulty getting sponsorships throughout your racing career or were sponsors coming to you? Well, you know, at one point it was very difficult to get any help. And mm-hmm. um, then uh, as I did, uh, I had better results to show it became easier. Mm-hmm. And we've had some great sponsorship over the years. So um, it's, uh, you know, and I got to just hats off to Terry at Alden Auto and Don from Good Guys. So Terry's... Uh, Alden Auto Deckel has literally been on every car I've had for the last 40 years. So, yeah, so that's that's a serious commitment. Yeah. Donnie there over at Good Guys Auto, uh, all my engines come out of his shop. And uh, so he lets me um, 
that was my initial uh, lot in life when I was a kid was as an engine builder. Mm -hmm. And um, so I just go and use this equipment. And uh, with this help, we build uh, Fords aren't as strong as the Chevys. That's pretty obvious. But, um, you know, you look at how many failures we've had in 20 years. We've had, well, we we blew one up hard here a few years ago. It uh, dropped the valve. And when the engine slowed down, it caught a piston and broke the block and did the whole mess. But um, <laughs> what do you do? Uh, you race long enough, you're going to wreck a car and you're going to break some parts. So, mm-hmm. um, so the, those... Um, you know, and the the folks from the funeral home are so good to me too. Um, they come on board when I had good results and really needed some help in uh, the the finance department. And I remember um, that was, I think, the, they come on board the year that we won the championship. And he actually come to me halfway through the season and said, "Looks like you're doing pretty good, big guy." And I said, "Yeah, we're on a roll here." So he says, um, "Here's a bundle of cash. Uh, we want to make sure you're." funded for the season. So um, to answer your question, it's kind of a catch-22 when you need it the most. It's hard to get as you get older, maybe better in life, uh, you know, financially, and that it comes along easier. So um, there's been times when I've been extremely well-funded and there was no want for anything. So it sure takes the stress out of it. So it allows you to have what it takes to run up front and, um you know, and even that, so I know a lot of people think I've got a ton of money in my car and we've probably spent a ton of money over the years, but to build another one exactly the same wouldn't be all that expensive. Um, we've got a good engine. The rest of it's all junkyard parts and that's really starting to get hard to find. Mm-hmm. And we don't, um, we don't use a lot of tires. I buy about six tires a season. So that's all we use mm-hmm. to run 10 nights or whatever. So works really well. Okay. What would you tell the young kids who are struggling to find the sponsorships and that the funds needed to continue racing? Hmm. I think it's really important when you go chatting with sponsors that you don't just go and say, I need some money. You need to present a very um, professional, polished, um, you can't have, uh, I don't know, I guess I shouldn't say it like this, but you can't have long hair hanging everywhere and all that stuff. Cause I mean, that's totally acceptable nowadays. It never used to be, but um, so you have to portray portray a very polished and professional uh, aura. You, you need to look like you know what you're doing and you have to be honest with people. You need to, uh, when you have good sponsors, the best way to lose them is not talk to them. Mm-hmm. So when I've had good sponsors, um, a lot of them, I would um, stop in every Monday morning after on my way home from work when they were local sponsors and have a chat with them, explain how we did. Um, I invited uh, when the funeral home folks come out, uh, come out to the track, uh, you know, took them down, showed them the car. Uh, it was kind of um, unique for them. They'd never seen any of that. And they're in the stands quite a bit. I mean, they have lives too, but they still come quite often. So they're there. and. Um, it's a lot of fun to have people, you know, up top and mm-hmm. you go up and visit with them. And I don't know, it's, it's, um, you, you got to look after them. If you've got good sponsors, you got to look after them. You have to go talk to them. You have to make sure they're getting what they think for their money. And if they're not, and they feel that way, you won't have them. It's that simple. Yeah. 
shows them a return on their investment. You become Absolutely. a brand ambassador for your sponsor as well. So mm -hmm. I get what you mean. Portray that aura, have that image. Mm -hmm. So, you know, like it, it doesn't take much either. So we've been asked to, uh, with some of our sponsors come out to, do an event at an open house or whatever. So the team all shows up with clean jeans, running shoes, and we all wear those matching shirts that you always see mm -hmm. us with. So it's not very hard to do. A shirt's $40 and it, and it costs us $12 to have each one embroidered now. So, you know, $100 with the shirts and $50 with embroidery for five guys, some hats, it looks really professional. So that's, that's a great way to work with it. So. I can't, could not agree more with you on that one. Definitely yeah. not. What do you think of the fan interaction that we have with our fans at Edmonton International Raceway versus other racetracks you've been to? So I think we do pretty good. I think we could, um, I think that space of time between 4.30 or 5 o'clock in race time, we could have more interaction there. Um, but it takes commitment on your racers to do that. And um you know, and if you're busy, you've got lots of things going on in the car, you might not be able to. So uh, at the end of the night, it's fun. Uh, a lot of people, little kids and that, you know, and it's 11 o'clock, they want to go home and get them to bed. So I don't think we have as much interaction as we could. Uh, I used to always have the hero cards in that, and um, we don't give out many anymore. I don't know. Um, not sure why, but still have them. So <laughs> fan well, interaction... The, the, sorry, I cut you off, but fan no, inter okay. interaction is, is is it's mandatory if you really think about it because the reason we go to that racetrack to race, sure, it's fun to race, but when we, we're, we're putting on a show, we're the entertainment. And when we put on a good show, you get out of the car and you act professional, you say some intelligent things, um, people like that and they'll come back. Uh, you know, if you get out of the car and you're mad because you lost and throw things and um, guilty of all those things myself, but <laughs> that will happen in that many years of racing. You, mm -hmm. that's, you know, and I think for the most part, the gang at Edmonton International does a really good job of portraying that um, professional image. That's really good. Is there anything else that we can do at the track level? to get hmm. the fans interactive a lot more. I know we did the, we started with the past to catch up this year, um, which seemed to have taken off really well. What else can we do? Well, I don't know. Um, I think some nights, uh, you know, you could have a draw one random person that would never have the opportunity to come on down and I'll strap them in my car and we'll take them for a ride. In fact, you should uh, think about coming for a ride to the big guy. Uh, hey, I'd we'll, love to we'll run some wide open laps. Um, We've probably had 60 people in the car, 70 people over the years. And uh, you'd be surprised some of the reactions um, from all out tear to let's turn some more laps. So <laughs> <laughs> I'd love to. I'll take you up on that. Sure. Absolutely. Yeah, for, we, sure, um, for sure. One of the things I hope we can make happen again is our Make-A-Wish night with the um, little guys. We've kind of yeah. lost our uh, sponsorship there on that. It's not. I won't say it's not cheap, but it, it takes resources. And right now we don't have a huge sponsor uh, income. So we got to be just careful. And if I can get busy again, uh, COVID kind of took the wind out of our sales on chasing yeah. sponsors. I got to be honest with you. And, um, but if we could get a good, a good um, sponsorship again, you know, 
when you've got that little guy there, we've, we've had them probably between six years old and 15 years old at various, various health challenges. And if you look at my Facebook page, you throw him up on the car, him or her up on the roof of the car and see all their troubles melt away. The smile is literally from ear to ear. That is uh -huh. some of the most heartwarming things you could ever imagine. And never notice now. <laughs> well, yeah. Um, you ever look back at any of the pictures where we do that? The old big yeah. guy's got sunglasses on because I really don't want to see people people to see what's going on back there. So <laughs> it's um, very heartwarming. And the tough part of that is a lot of the time we don't ever get to know whether things got better or things went really the other way. So yeah. Um, one of the things that I've done in life, I did a lot of work with rap students, and that's putting kids uh, kids to work through Shell. And one of my very first rap student, he came to me, he was a good kid, worked really hard, and um, seven-eighths of the way through his term, he phoned me at home and says, can I come visit you? And he come and told me he had leukemia and he wasn't going wasn't gonna to survive. So um, that's part of why I'm so was so committed to doing that um, make-a-wish thing is uh, it was really hard to lose him and um, you know if we can make make whatever it hurts however it hurts us if we can make his that young person's day better for one hour two hours whatever it is that we do it's so worth it it's uh, very heartwarming so um, I remember asking all our drivers to line up to do the gauntlet when we send them back to the stands yeah and you know you see that and people that you would never imagine would wander over there and stand there uh, made me really proud of our our crew our entire crew the extended crew everybody's at the track it was really it's very very heartwarming kevin yeah i got i got to experience that in 2019 <laughs> prior to covid and that was yes. very it, it, yeah it brought a tear to everybody's eye so that's when we had um uh, West Power as the sponsor yeah. for that. Yeah, so we had Shell as the, the uh, sponsor for that for from 2011, 2012 till 19. And you know, no matter what I did, I could not win that thing on Shell Night. And when <laughs> we get rid of the Shell sponsorship, bring somebody in, um, <laughs> and we had no problem running away with the with it that night to take that trophy home. <laughs> so. <laughs> <laughs> okay, That's we have fan, we got fan appreciation night coming up for opening mm -hmm. weekend. Uh, are you going to be there? Uh, we haven't even looked at the schedule yet, to be honest with you. So I do have some uh, family things on, and um, probably everybody knows I'm a big car nut, and I have some collector cars, and um, we like to. There's certain events we attend every year now. So, but I think that's uh, the opening nights on the second of June, is it? I believe the third. I don't I think we have anything that will pre prevent that. And all it takes is um, to give a heads up for a few hours before we leave for the track. I can bring the seat and stuff. And uh, I'd be really happy to pick somebody, not me pick them, but somebody to pick somebody that's not going to get an opportunity like that to, to come for mm -hmm. a ride with me. I do that on fan appreciation night. No problem. Yeah, it's on June the third. Okay. Yeah, I'm. I most likely will be there. I don't see why we wouldn't. So, excellent, excellent. I think that would make a really good draw. Get you take a fan for a blast in your car. Yeah. Oh yeah. We bring the stuff and we strap them in. We uh, 
they're in there tight. Even if we had a very unfortunate adventure, which we've never had, of course, um, they'd be fine. So they sit very low on the car compared to me and further back. So they're strapped in really tight. Okay. I'll be, yeah. like I said, I can't wait. I just can't wait. <laughs> well, you just uh, make sure you uh, poke me and we'll put you in one night and we'll give you a good run so you can see what it's like to, uh, when you sit on the right side of the car, it's really odd. It's an odd feeling to have the wall come straight at you and turn one and, <laughs> and then you roll away and it's, uh, yeah, for sure. Right on. I am looking forward to it. And I'll have the microphone with me too. So I'll do a commentary while you're spinning around. That's that's a good thing. We've done that before. Uh, yep. Years ago, the track announcer, I don't know whether she really, uh, we did the slow lap and I explained how to run a fast lap and then handed the mic back to her and strapped up tight. And I think she <laughs> screamed the whole time. She never actually said anything. So. <laughs> <laughs> well, that I don't know what's going to happen on my end, but. I may do the same thing. Maybe you're here. Ah! <laughs> now you've been in uh, race cars enough. You know what it's, what's coming before it happens. So Yeah, absolutely. I'm going to love it. I know I'm going to love it. <laughs> yeah, for sure. Another question I have for you. Yep, How for sure. has racing prepared you for life outside the racetrack? Well, that's a great question, actually. If you think about it, um, racing has its highs and lows. And... Um, so does life. So they're very similar in that regard. Um, you know, you have a bad night racing, you need to, um, figure out a way to put it aside and move on to what it takes to have a better night the next night. And life is like that too, whether it be, you know, losing a family member or whatever, it's, it's what it is. You, you just have to kind of smooth those highs and lows out. So it's, a uh, just um, life is, is good most of the time, right? So I think they're very similar in that regard. Biggest high at the racetrack? Hmm. Always winning. Um, <laughs> you know, I, and I say that, but, you know, throwing those those kids up on the roof of the car on uh, Make-A-Wish night is really cool. It really is. And the other thing I like to do is um, I've got more trophies at home here that I know what to do with. And I usually give them away there and to watch, I always pick, um, try and pick a child that doesn't expect it. Mm -hmm. So uh, there's kids that come down and are yelling, pick me, pick me. And I never pick them. I know that's probably rude, but I, um, there was a young girl one night that was working with her mom selling 50, 50 tickets. And she had no idea that I do that. So she's the girl that we picked and give her the trophy and, um, I really enjoy doing that stuff. That's a lot of fun too. So, um, other than that, you know, winning's always fun, but like I said, that, that one night years ago when we went from so deep in the field to second, the only way that would have been better is if we would have got by Porky to win there, but, uh, wasn't to be, it was, it was, it was a fabulous night for us. So there's always, there's been some really good ones and, we're lucky we don't have very many bad ones. So sometimes you go home a little disappointed for whatever reason, but yeah, it's good. And let's hit the flip side. What's been your worst? Oh, getting hurt. Um, so I've had two very serious injuries from racing. Um, and that's always a very negative thing. Um, man, you get, well, the one time I was off work almost a year, I was 50 weeks um, off work. So, uh, that was a 
but you know, even that, I have to look at the positive sides of that. I had always thought that nurses were highly overpaid and all that stuff until I wound up in the system. And um, I remember being very angry one day and I, the physio took the brunt of it. And uh, I, I sat there and I remember thinking, oh my God, I've treated this woman so badly and, and she's just looking after me. So there were some great lessons there, even though it was really tough. But yeah, it was tough because, you know, financially it really hurt us for me not to be working, of course. And mm -hmm. um, so it's, it's, it's what it is. In closing, sure. what advice can you give all the drivers at the racetrack? So I think um, all the drivers... So there's lots of drivers that are out there that have more skill than I do in that. But um, I, that's a tough question. I think we need to treat everybody at the track well. We never need to abuse our officials. We need to treat our, our co-drivers um, uh, with respect. Um, I think we need to try and keep the fenders on the cars and not damage things. And I think... You know, when you're not the fastest person out there, seek out some knowledge to figure out. Uh, like I said, I'll help anybody that treats me with respect. It's that simple. Um, there's, and you know, if you're if you're not sure about your car and your setup, there's videos on YouTube and there's all kinds of things. Um, I think what I'm really trying to say is, every week you need to try something to make the car better, mm -hmm. make yourself better, and that's what we've done. Uh, if you think back to my statement earlier in, in this, um, we had the penalty box. It was two seconds a lap slower than everybody from the fast cars. And, you know, we've worked really hard, uh, changed a lot of things, figured a lot of things out, and made things work. So I think that's, the, um, that's what needs to happen. Again, any driver comes to me and wants some uh, driver encouragement or um, – Driver tips, I'm all up for that. I'd like nothing better than to go out there and see 15 Thunder cars that were all within a tenth of a second. And um, I was really disappointed that we had trouble last the last race because there was Don Roberts, there was Josh Getzel, myself, and the seven car at Dave Vennard. Don't count him out next season. He'll be a hit or miss when he's there or not. But um, I've done some work to that car as well, and it'll be very fast, just like the 34 car. So um, if we can drag some of the other folks along that um, maybe need just a little help, you know, um, it'd, be, it'd be really cool. Uh, it'd be a lot of fun to go out there and there's 10 cars that can win. Um, to be honest with you, it's not much fun when there's five cars and we know who's going to win unless I get crashed. That's not fun. Um, it's yeah. my wife. She says it's boring. She yawns. It's um, <laughs> she's not wrong. Uh, it's hundred um, percent. You just need to, uh, it'd be really fun to have a lot of cars that are really fast or all the same. And um, uh, I don't know if you've watched Don Roberts, the 34 car and I on nights mm -hmm. where we're both going, it's pretty interesting to watch the two of us plier craft and push each other around and um, go home Somebody's going to go home a victor, and the other one knows he's done very well to, to be second place to him. So yeah, it's good. Yep, you guys good. closed out last year. It was just that was a good battle you guys had. Yeah, well, we've had some good ones. Uh, 
and you never know who's going to win. And Josh Getzel, he's there too. Like he, you look at his lap times, he runs yep. in the low four, or the high 14s as well. He runs 14.9. So there's that's good. That's really good. That's what we need. It's really important yes, to do. have good competition. So yes, we do more cars that are competitive together that like are very time like as you said close in time. That's what's going to make an exciting race. Fans are going to be more engaged. Mm -hmm. Even even if you look at the cars we have, um, so those four fast ones that I was commenting on, if there's that battle going on and then there is a second group that's all the same and they're battling and then the two intermingle, that makes for a great race. Mm -hmm. And um, that works well too. So it's very interesting. So, Yep, yep. Goals for 2023? Mm, goals for 2023 uh stay out of trouble um <laughs> keep keep the car in one piece uh have fun i really hope we can excuse me make it work to um see ourselves back with the make a wish kids mm -hmm. um i don't know i don't really have any other goals in that um just that the big one is having fun and so far we're, we're good at that so Oh yeah. Yeah. That's all good. Excellent. No real goals. We don't need to win any more championships or anything like that. Um, <laughs> it's just too big of a commitment these days. And, um, but yeah, I think we're, we're on track for our goals and that's just to have fun and be there when we can and show up with our a game when we come. So, and I look forward to seeing that a game in 2023. Okay, right on. <laughs> Everybody, that was Mr. Don Lawrence. He is the Don of the Thunder Cars. Thanks a lot for your time, Don. I really do appreciate it, my friend. Thanks, friends. Kevin. No, I appreciate this. This is great. I'm glad you're doing this. It's well, uh, well needed for our group there. So thank you. No, thank you once again. Fantastic interview. I have a great deal of respect for Don. He always raced me clean, and he's always offered me advice when I was on the racetrack. That's why I so enjoyed having this interview with Don. And now the black flag disclaimer. The views, thoughts, and opinions expressed are mine and the guests appearing on Turn and Laps with Mr. Smiley and do not represent the views, thoughts, and opinions of Edmonton International Raceway, also known as EIR, EIR sponsors or racers and their affiliated sponsors. The material and information presented here is for general information purposes and entertainment only. The turn and laps with Mr. Smiley name and all forms and abbreviations are the property of its owner and its use does not imply endorsement of or opposition to any specific organization, product, or service. And this is the checkered flag. Thank you to the Don of the Thunder Cars, Mr. Don Lords, for this special interview. It was a fantastic interview. And of course, a huge thank you to all you listeners and race fans out there. Stay tuned for the next Turn and Laps with Mr. Smiley presented by Edmonton International Raceway. We'll have lots to talk about on the next show with the Bush Clash happening this weekend. Actually, the Bush Clash is happening later on today. I'm looking forward to it. Keep smiling, everyone. <laughs>